Industry-leading, difference-making, tomorrow-shaping, world-changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live. You all know the drill. We got to let this stream breathe just for a few seconds. Make sure we are streaming solidly across all five channels. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, this morning, I literally updated an article that that I that I published, I want to say it was Monday, that the Broncos so far had not had to put a single player on the word that shall go unmentioned reserve list. In other words, no player up to this point had tested positive or had reason to believe he'd been exposed to the bug. And I don't know if I jinxed it or what, but that damn broke officially today. The Broncos placed tight end slash fullback Andrew Beck on the word that shall go unmentioned. We'll just say the CV reserve list, Andrew Beck. So we don't know if he actually tested positive for the bug, Zach, right. or if he simply was exposed to someone that he, they knew had the bug. And so either way, he goes into the into quarantine for two weeks on the reserve list. How much, if at all, do you think this affects his, his roster prospects? Well, I mean, for a, a deep backup, any missed time, whether it be a virtual meeting or whether it be an on-field practice, any missed, any missed time is going to be a detriment to their to their prospects. I, I like Beck a lot. There's no lock he's going to even be on the roster, even in contention for a roster spot. But he does offer some versatility to the team in a fullback and tight end role. I don't like the fact that we don't know whether he had it or not because it would determine, I think, how soon he could, he could come back to the facility. He first have to he would have to uh, pass three tests, I believe from this point forward to be even considered entry into the Broncos facilities. So he, it just adds more um, of a mountain to climb for his roster standing. I think he still has a good shot. 
Um, unless this just takes him out completely, Chad. If he if it affects him health wise, if he has an adverse reaction to having this, if he does have it, you know. But so we'll see. Have to see how it happens. Thankfully, and this is what Elway could have been alluding to that rumblings other players might opt out or other players might have it. He could have been talking about Andrew Beck, or he could have you know, it could have been just a coincidence. I mean, the good news is, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. If I've missed somebody, correct me if I'm wrong. Any pro athlete that has been that has tested positive for CV, none of them have been adversely affected. No one's been rushed to the to the hospital. Right. And I don't say that to minimize the threat. You got people need to remember these are professional athletes, world class athletes in the peak tip top health. I mean, these guys are have the full bloom of youth. Even the guys that are on the wrong side of 30, they're in peak physical condition. They're not even close to being in the high-risk category for hospitalization and things like that. Now, it doesn't mean it can't happen. I mean, as someone who lost a close family member to something as, you know, seemingly common as the flu, type A flu, I understand how quickly something like this can, can turn for anybody. It's something to take seriously is what I'm getting at, okay? I'm not minimizing this. But, Zach, I'm not so much worried about – Golly, you know, uh, of course, prayers up, but I'm not so much worried about I hope he doesn't, you know, end up in the hospital if he does indeed have. What I'm worried about is, is he going to be able to really get back in time to vie for this roster? And, you know, two weeks, he's going to be set aside on ice, whether he has it or not. And as you said, there is a comprehensive fail safe procedure before they let him back in the building. And that should be encouraging for the other players so that provided they're smart and this was something John Elway and Vic Fangio both harped on on Tuesday. So long as these players are exercising restraint, tempering urges, practicing social responsibility, the Broncos have covered the bases on everything else. I mean, that's – I can't remember. It's a, I'll, I'll find it here. There's an actual four, letter, four words that make up an acronym, but their CV plan of prevention is literally top-notch. And this is something I alluded to yesterday as well. With more testing going on, you're going to have more positive cases. There's so many players opting out around the NFL right now. So I hope no Broncos fan is wringing their hands or pulling their hair out or panicking about him. Potentially, we don't even know if he tested positive, but him being on that list. It's a good thing in a sense that they have a list to put these players on. They have some sort of plan compared to baseball where they're just running wild there and all these positive tests. It's just killing the sport once again. So I like the fact the Broncos are being cautious. I like the fact the NFL has that three-test rule before they enter the building. It sucks for Beck. It sucks for the players who have to opt out or being on that list right now. But a lot of, you know, of high-profile players are. TJ Hawkinson, Kenny Galladay went on that list from the Lions. They're not panicking. It's just... It's a temporary placement, mothballing, because there's an acclimation period either way for 21 days. They're not going to take the field for a padded practice until August 17th. And by then, even if they do have it, they should be fully healthy. I just worry about Beck. He's not locked into a roster spot. Looking at it from his sake, he's not locked into anything, and he has to really be on top of his game to work up the depth chart uh, this summer. Speaking of the fact that, as you mentioned, You've got the 18-day conditioning period that the NFL agreed to before the padded practices. But that doesn't mean they're not doing anything on the grass. In fact, some the team has, has uh, produced some videos, some little clips. We talked about one of them last night when we had Steve Baumgartner on the show, which was great. Jerry Judy out there catching passes in Broncos regalia. No helmet, no pads, but still, it's good to see him in his number 10 jersey running around catching passes. 
Today, the Broncos released another video, this time of Drew Locke firing shots at Jerry Judy, Albert O, KJ Hamler, and it's exciting. They're actually out on the grass. They are at least practicing, you know, within – it must fall somehow under the realm of conditioning, right? Maybe running routes, not not necessarily going one-on-one with matchups, just going against air. But it's really f- refreshing and exciting to see, Zach, because we are inching closer to the players actually – you know, going up against opponents. And I mean, week one is going to be here before we know it, which is why today, even though it is our favorite episode of the week, it is the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests. Each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. We look forward to finding out what's on your mind. But Zach and I also want to touch on what I view. I'm going to get Zach's thoughts on this. The 10 key matchups to look forward to, not so much matchups, position battles, I should say, roster battles that are going to affect the ultimate destiny of the Broncos 2020 season. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But, Zach, I don't know if you saw a chance or got a chance to see that clip, but it just feels right seeing Drew Locke thrown to Jerry Judy. I mean, it's late July. This is when it should be taking place. And I'm grateful that there's some sort of normality in terms of NFL training camps. It's so little jarring, though. I saw a picture of Lloyd Cushenberry stretching on the field. It's a little jarring to see these players wear masks and the coaches wear masks over their face for a practice. It's like if we were in a year ago and we saw this a year, we would be just like, what is going on? What are they doing? Is everyone, is it the plague? So it's a little weird still, but it's just the fact that there's football in the summer. There's going to be football in the fall. That's all I'm happy about. Guys, we want to get to your questions. What's Whatever topics are on your mind, maybe you just got to get something off your chest. You got to exercise the demons. That's part of a football priest brief as well, and we'll help you do that. First, though, a couple of really quick matters of business. Gang, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this show in real time. And while you're at it, make sure you also follow the mother account, as it were, at Mile High Huddle, for breaking Broncos news and analysis. You get those two accounts followed. You're not going to miss anything as it relates to the pod, and you're not going to miss anything as it relates to your team, the Denver Broncos. And if you're in a position, head on over to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself one of these football priest hats. There are shirts. There are hoodies. There are tank tops, mugs, face masks. There's a little something for everybody, including a brand new, I mean, two days that it's been on the store, Mile High Huddle hat, trucker hat, you guys can get. So check that out. It's another way to help support what we're doing here at MHH and with the Huddle Up podcast. And if you're not in a position to do those things and patronize the merch store, it's all good. We're just happy to have you here in the stream with us, talking football, talking Broncos, participating in this conversation. But each and every one of you, whether you're with us live or listening after the fact as a pod uh, episode on demand, these three things each and every one of you can do. Make sure you are subscribed, whatever the platform is. Make sure you like this video or like this episode. And if you really love what Zach and I are doing for you, share it out there. Help us continue to grow and help us reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. 
Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, really quick here. I want to kind of get a conversation going. We'll, we'll see what's on everybody's mind. Get your questions in. Uh, in the chat stream, we'll get to them. I we got to tip our cap to an extremely outgoing and generous Mark. superstar. You guys know him. He's been on the show. Bright personality that makes us all laugh and smile. Mark Langley showing some extreme generosity. Not only this one where he says, "What's up, Chad?" on Super Chat, but this one where he also look at that gives a little love directly to Zach as well. And all so inclusive love. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And Mark, I, I we we appreciate it. It all adds up and it all helps and allows us to continue to bring this content for you and our community. Just know that just know that we appreciate it, dude. There's nothing more we can say beyond it just means the world to us. Mark, you are the man. You know how we feel about you. You know how respected you are in the community. We know how much we appreciate your contributions and even your lighthearted comments about Garrett Bowles never gets old. I love reading everything you have to say, including this comment, Chad, right here. Yep. He says on his way out the door, he says, have a good night, Broncos country. Going to bed, long hours, pull all these orders for your jerseys. Have color so that your jerseys have colorful ink. Hashtag poly one. Hashtag that's my job. Hashtag the best pod. So he works poly one uh, NFL merchandising, that manufacturing plant. And so he is very much helping to make sure that when you get the itch, maybe you're not patronizing huddleuppod.com. You're patronizing NFL.com or fanatics or whatever. Mark Langy's uh, keeping that supply chain rolling for you, the fans. So Mark, thank you, my friend. And we look forward to you. Hopefully maybe Sunday night. I don't know. Maybe some one of these nights you'll be back in the stream for the whole conversation. We look forward to you being in here and participating with us. He's an essential worker for sure. Indeed. All right, guys, get your questions in. We're going to get to him. Zach, I want to really quick here, get the conversation going, kind of get our juices flowing a little bit. This is something we were planning on talking about Monday night, but current events kind of drew our attention elsewhere and today, outside of the Andrew Beck news, there wasn't anything to really dictate the conversation. So it gave us the first opportunity to really break this out. And basically what it is, is over the weekend, 
I published a, my annual kind of training camp preview, um, which is basically 10 position battles to, to look forward to. And, and I kind of couched it this way, 10 position battles with the biggest 2020 implications. And I'll start with the first one that I think, Zach, is the most hotly anticipated, and that is going to be at the running back position between Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. you got the incumbent Lindsay coming in off back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, juxtaposed with Gordon, who is bringing in $13.5 million guaranteed. Because of that money, you know the Broncos are going to want to get a return on investment. You know that Gordon's going to be motivated to get that return on investment for them and justify the contract. But he's going to have to get through Philip Lindsay. I still see this basically coming down to a dang near 50-50 split when it's all said and done. And here we are sitting in the regular season. But one of them has to get the nominal starting nod, right? One of them is going to be on the screen when it's on Monday Night Football in the starting lineup. Who's it going to be? Melvin Gordon. I mean, $8 million a year versus $750,000. That's why they paid him that money. The Broncos, they feel like they have a true workhorse back. They don't feel Philip Lindsay can fill that role. He will be the RB1 by title, but I don't know uh, when the games actually take place by the end of the year if he's going to finish in that role. I think Philip Lindsay is motivated to have a huge season. He's naturally talented, two-time 1,000-yard rusher, former pro bowler. Uh, he has, I think, as much talent – as Melvin Gordon as a rusher, they paid him all that money, Gordon, to be a pass catcher. I think they'll feed him the ball and funnel targets and almost force him to take more snaps because of his contract. But Lindsey is going to make it very, very hard for the Broncos to put him on the bench. Okay. I just want you guys to know we love you. We also have the sense of humor of a teenager. But the girth thing, we got to pump the brakes on girth. I'm just getting this out of the way. Um, I'm not trying to troll you. In this case, we just got to kind of move on up uh, onwards and upwards just because we do have ladies in the community. So we got to we got to keep ourselves um, classy, as it were. Look, we're going to make jokes. And and even even uh, Christy got in on the on the last yesterday. But we just got to be careful not to get out of hand. And as hosts and as your football priests, we got to kind of help shape that and lead the way. So without further ado, Zach, I want to really quick draw your attention to this extremely generous uh, super chat here from Mundungus. Just blows us away, man, how how generous and outgoing and supportive you've been lately. I mean, relatively new still to the MHH family, but you've just jumped in with both feet, and it's been amazing having you in the community. And, Zach, I just want to show our, our listeners something. So as you guys know, Mundungus runs a, owns a bookstore, a physical brick and mortar. And of course, every brick and mortar bookstore would be wise to have a, an online store and an Amazon store. And he does all that. We've shared the links and we'll, we'll share the link again here later. I, can, I uh, received something from Mundungus today. It's going to be hard for you guys to see. So let me get close here. It's hard to see. Uh, hold up. Let me do this. I'm a, I'm a book Worm, I'm a little bit of a nerd, okay? I'm a big uh, – I don't read as much fantasy as I used to as a teen and a young man. And when I say fantasy, you heard us talk about it when Eclipse Stormborn was on the show. But, you know, Game of Thrones type of stuff, Tolkien, that kind of stuff. And in that vein, Mundunga sent me a book that is – let me just put it that this way. It's very 
unique, rare book. It's a very valuable book, and it's very touching. I was touched to receive this, Mundungus, and I just wanted to say thank you, my friend. It's just it means it means a lot to me. And it's going to go in the collection. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it to the kids. It's going to be great. But he says, Zach, did you guys see the Tyreek Hill versus Terrell Owens race? What do you think? Sutton wide receiver one, Owens wide receiver two, Judy <laughs> in the slot. No. <laughs> what is it, like 43 now, Terrell Owens? Yeah, that's not going to fly for me. Just I, I'm never a fan of it. I know it's kind of like a, a jokey kind of question, but I'm never a fan of teams signing older players when they can take snaps away from younger players. Same reason why I don't want the Broncos to bring back uh, Demarius Thomas. There's no use for him. They have Deshaun Hamilton. They have Tim Patrick. They have more young wide receivers right now than they know what to do with. So I'm always among the youth movement. I'm always pushing that aspect. So Owens was great. Hall of Famer and, and well-deserved, but I like the Broncos' uh, current options right now at receiver. He was definitely exemplified the the diva wide receiver. What I'll, I'll give him his props is that Eagles Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots, how quickly he worked back from his broken leg, broken ankle, whatever it was, actual broken bones, to be available and not only participate in the Super Bowl, but play at a high level for a very – kind of shell-shocked Donovan McNabb, kind of some stage fright out there puking on the grass. <laughs> they came up short, did the Eagles, but not for lack of anything Terrell Owens did. So uh, let's grab this one here real quick, Zach. We'll next, get back next to some, question. some battles. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's my quarterback. We got the, robo, the robot of Doom 5 on YouTube. Chad and Zach, did you hear of the new team down in Tampa? It's the senior citizen team, <laughs> only two hand touch or else they'll break some bones. I mean, I want to, I, I want to yuck it up and laugh right along with you, but Tom Brady, I don't know, man, Peyton Manning kind of blazed a trail. I guess you could say Kurt Warner was really the first guy who spent a career with one team and on the tail end, on the back nine of his career at prolific storied quarterback, goes to another team. And in the case of the Cardinals, Warner led him to the Super Bowl. And were it not for some near miraculous plays made by Big Ben and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers late in that game, Kurt Warner is the first quarterback to start and win two different Super Bowls with two different teams. Peyton Manning ended up becoming the first. I'm not saying Tom Brady's going to become the second, but he, what we know about Tom Brady, Zach, you just can't sleep on him. I see a very clear 9-7 and team with the Bucs this season. They're going to be good enough to be in contention. I think Brady still has enough magic in his arm to make that happen. They have two excellent wide receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They picked up Gronkowski, whatever's left to him. They have a kind of crappy defense. They can make some some noise in the regular season, but I don't see anything spectacular. I do kind of like the pickup of Shady McCoy, though. They signed LaShawn McCoy today for like a $1 million contract. He still has some wiggle. That's They needed a running back. They don't really have a, a bona fide running back there, so you got to appreciate that move. I, I like from Tampa Bay, not to hijack the, the, the podcast, but I like that they're all in. They're doing whatever it takes to win now. They're not going through rebuild. They're putting all the pieces together, and they're pushing their chips to the center of the table. It's not always an easy thing to do, and I applaud Tampa Bay for doing that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Chris Hernandez, one of our bona fide super chat superstars, jumps in. Appreciate you, my friend. Very generous. Thank, Thank you. you, Chris. He says, anybody see Bryce Callahan out there? Hashtag, is he real? Hashtag, <laughs> click those little thumbs up. Indeed, smash the like button. That's a reminder, especially if you're on YouTube or Facebook. Very helpful to, to us here. Um, and then we also got Ed Keating jumping in. Back in the saddle, this is two pods in a row that we've got one of our bona fide community members back. He says, so pumped. Denver Broncos for life. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Appreciate you. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bryce Callahan, I don't know. As far as we're being told, he's healthy, back in the saddle. You know, until we see him out there week one, though, it's just one of those things we're going to have to wonder about. Hopefully we'll get some tape of him in a couple of weeks out there, you know, running in 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 covering receivers. Because last summer, before he got that foot stepped on, Zach, he was one of the sensations of OTAs, one of the sensations early on of the summer. I mean, shutting down and, and breaking up Cortland Sutton passes, which is not easy. So I'm hoping we get to see that again, but there's just – until we do see it, you can't count on it. Yeah, Bryce Callahan is like Charizard. We we know he exists, but few of us have ever really seen him. And that's what that's kind of the legacy he's leaving in Denver so far. Uh, we did see that workout video. I think it was last month where he was jumping, literally jumping through hoops for his job. It was some sort of training exercise. So we know he exists. He has a pulse. He's alive. I, I, I'm with Chad, though. I want to see him perform on the field consistently. He was dominant last year, Chad, in offseason practices. As dominant as you can be in training camp, he was shutting down everyone. Uh, he was really working his way up the totem pole there, and he was a logical successor to Chris Harris Jr. He has the talent to be better than Chris Harris Jr. reuniting with Vic Fangio, but until he stays healthy, we just can't put any stock into anything with Bryce Callahan just yet. And unsurprisingly, and go ahead and put Jason back on, John. Appreciate you, Jason, jumping Thank in you, on Jason. Super Chat. Very generous. Very means a lot to us. He says, thanks, guys, for what you do. Hashtag Broncos country. Appreciate that, my friend. Um, you know, as it relates, though, to Bryce Callahan, real quick, 
unsurprisingly, as a former undrafted coroner that has made his career basically in the slot, he idolized Chris Harris Jr. That was one of the storylines, something we learned when the Broncos first signed him that he looked up to and kind of, when I say idolized, I mean kind of modeled his game after, right? He tried to mimic what, you know, what he heard about Harris as a, as a CFA entering the league and then what he put on tape. And then you get a summer working with Chris in OTAs and early on training camp, and then a whole year within the organization kind of seeing how Chris goes about his business. So I hope, I hope some of that rubbed off even more so on Callahan. He had some real momentum, Zach, in Chicago that last year before he suffered that fateful injury on his foot that cost him the last three games as a bear. I mean, he, he was producing a Pro Bowl caliber season. And if you listen to Eric Trickle, who watches a ridiculous amount of tape, Bryce Callahan's extremely talented. There's a lot to be hopeful about. It's just we need to see it come out in the wash. We, and I'm not too worried that we won't see the production if he's on the field. It's just a matter of will he be on the field. I hope he didn't pick up too much of Chris Harris Jr.'s traits, you know, his, his <laughs> negative ones anyway. I, I can't deal with another cornerback complaining about, you know, when he blew a coverage. I don't want the diva traits of Bryce Callahan. And everything that I've seen about him and read about him, I don't think that's a worry. So the talent's there, good team player, just has to stay healthy and off of the trainer's table. Daniel says, why are they making the running back battle like they're against each other? Let's just focus on getting better. Kick the Chiefs' ass this year, man. Because, because they, they are against each other. It's it's really as simple as that. Look, they're gonna uh, guys like Philip, guys like Melvin. They're gonna put on a altruistic face when they are in the in the public eye, and they're gonna talk about, hey, we're gonna make each other better. And there's some truth to that. You know, competition brings out the best in people. That's just the way it is. Behind their eyes and behind closed doors, those dudes are battling it out. They're doing it all for the, you know, for the benefit of the same team, right? The Broncos as a team are who is going to benefit from their competition. But as it stands now, it's no holds barred. And that's just the way it's got to be until the depth chart gets resolved. And as Philip Lindsay said, this is why I'm not counting him out and I'm 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 not betting against him. You know, it doesn't matter who they bring in, doesn't matter who they pay, they have to get through me first, and that is very hard to do. That's what Philip Lindsay said, and I tend to agree with him. In a roundabout way, the Broncos pit these two guys against each other by giving Melvin Gordon a huge contract. Melvin Gordon thinks, you know what? I don't have to worry about anyone. I'm the RB1. I'm established here. Who are you, Philip Lindsay? And on the other hand, Lindsay's saying, I was a two-time thousand-yard rusher. I'm making peanuts compared to Melvin Gordon. I deserve to be paid too. The Broncos really made this battle what it is, and it's a true battle. These are these are human beings. These are men who want to be the best in their business. These are big egos. Even Philip Lindsay. He grew up this offseason, Chad. He's not the na- the naive, meek, you know, timid, shy Philip Lindsay anymore. He is speaking out, and he is pissed off. He didn't get his contract from Denver, and he's going to prove the Broncos wrong this season. But you're, I, I think it's very, very naive to think that they're not battling with each other. If they're on the same team. They're going to put a good face forward, as you said, Chad. But it's naive to think that they're not battling because both of them want to start. There's only one starting job to go around. Really quick to keep our conversation going, back to these 10 position battles. Number two for me, Zach, is Garrett Bowles versus Elijah Wilkinson. However, when I wrote this, I knew that Wilkinson had had that offseason surgery on his on his lower leg, on his ankle, and that he had been in a boot. And it kind of came late, surprisingly late in the offseason. Like you would think if you're going to have that procedure, you get it done in January. Like you get it done as soon as the season is over so that you can – 
start camp without being on the PUP. Lo and behold, Tuesday rolls around the veterans uh, report and he is placed on the physically unable to perform list to open up camp. That to me, Zach took a little bloom off the rose in terms of whatever intensity this left tackle uh, position battle. I never fully believed it was going to be a true, sincere, open, open competition. And even if it were, I never really believed Wilkinson had a chance to unseat Garrett Bowles, but in light of him starting this training camp on PUP, I mean, how much of a threat could he really be to Bowles? It was a dog and pony show. It was all a, a, a PR move to make Bowles feel better after declining his option. They wanted to give him some confidence because they knew his his talent is dependent on his mental capacity on the field. If he gets it together between the eyeballs, he will be a good tackle. If he doesn't, he's going to be as disastrous as he's been the last three seasons. And the Broncos know that starts with his confidence. Elijah Wilkinson, they have eyes last year, the Broncos, Chad. They have Joe Ellis, John Elway, Matt Russell. They have eyes. They saw Elijah Wilkinson is not a natural tackle. He's a borderline guard. He's a good swing guy to have, but far from a starter. So to put that unnatural tackle who's injured on top of everything else in a a battle with your former first round constantly criticized tackle who needs to crap or get off the pot in this year. Uh, it was all for it was all farce as far as I'm concerned. They knew Bowles was going to start week one because they knew Wilkinson cannot beat him out. And that's why I'm starting to think they never signed another tackle. They had no intention of Bowles ever not being the day one left tackle this year. They're trying to get their money's worth on that first round contract. And maybe this is the year they finally get a real return on that investment. George on YouTube wants to know how many tight ends on the roster after final cuts. Zach, I've gone back and researched this. I kind of limited it to the last two years in New York when he was the head coach and pretty much had final say on the roster. Pat Shermer, basically in, in back-to-back years, one year he did he kept three tight ends, next year he kept four. I think because of the log jam, I understand that you can carry 16 guys. Veteran rules on veteran um, and accrued seasons are, are a little bit more flexible this year in terms of it's not just bubble guys and, and rookies or players within their first three years that you can keep on the practice squad. So it's an expanded ra- roster squad, uh, ro- practice roster, excuse me, in more than way, th- uh, more than one way. But nevertheless, I still think because it's a logjam, they have so many former draft picks there, Zach. I think they're going to carry four. Three of those slots are already spoken for: Fant, Vanette, Alberto. It right. really comes down to all these other guys, including Andrew Beck including Troy Fumagalli, including Jake Butt, battling for that fourth spot. But do you disagree with me that they're going to carry forward? Do you think they might just go light and lean on the practice squad? I think they could have done that if they had better tackle options because they're going to use the fourth guy as a blocker more than likely. They signed Vinette largely because they don't have a good backup tackle on the roster, so they're going to make him the blocker. That's his role in this offense. I would say in a normal year it would be three, but Noah Fant's not exactly established established yet. If he was, if he was an all-star, if he was George Kittle, they don't have to carry four guys. But I think they will this year. Andrew Beck was always my fourth. I think Fumagalli gets cut, Jake Buck gets cut, and uh, Fort gets cut again. I think Beck is the fourth guy if he can get cleared from CV if he has or get off the list and get back into the building. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mike Evans, bonafide superstar member of this community, jumping in. Appreciate you, you as always, my friend. Every every day, you're in the stream every day, and every time you're in the stream, you are showing us love on Super Chat, and it means a lot to us, buddy. He says, what other tight ends are capable of playing fullback on short yardage situations besides Beck? Zach, I would submit that any six foot five, 250-pound <laughs> tight end could serve as that, you know, varying degrees of success, obviously. But, I mean, 250 pounds running downhill to ISO block a linebacker, how much does it really matter in terms of their technical proficiency? I'm not really sure. I think almost all of them could serve in that role in short yardage situations. Maybe Beck is a little bit stouter in some of those regards, Zach. But if I had to answer this and really give him a name, I'm going to say Nick Bennett. Yeah, that's a good one because he's a natural blocker, supposedly, even though he had some struggles with that the last couple of seasons. Uh, I don't see it in Fumagalli. I think he's a little too light. He's more of a pass catcher. Um, I don't I don't see it in uh, Noah Fant. He's still learning the tight end position, let alone fullback. Um, I, I would say Jake Butt if he was fully healthy, but we know he's not. He's a little bit of a bigger guy. You want your fullback to be a little beefy. You don't want him to be you know, 200 pounds. Uh, or you know, 185 pounds. So I think I think you're right with that. If they needed a second fullback who can function in that role, it would be Vinette, the blocker. It seems like the uh, chat stream is a little bit delayed, John. I don't know if you're seeing that too, because the farthest down I can go, the m- most recent comment was at 6:44. It's really weird. I'm trying to. Yeah, he says very delayed tonight. So, guys, it's when you comment in the chat stream it's taking a little time to get in front of us so just we'll, i don't know something about the platform tonight so we'll just have to roll with those punches we got eclipse stormborn jumping in bonafide superstar showing some love as always to mhh he says happy thursday priests and broncos country elway said uh callahan's lost weight from the flu hope he gets his <laughs> his uh Legs underneath them before it's time. <laughs> Hashtag MHHUN. Um, I missed that. Did did Elway say Callahan lost weight from the flu? I, if that's true, I missed it somewhere. 
At least it ain't his foot. That's all I'm thinking about him. He can get over the flu. He can't seem to shake that foot injury. I didn't see that either, though, Chad. I, I missed that comment from Elwood. And I've seen a couple other people mention that. So I don't. I didn't. I don't recall him saying that Elway in his presser on Tuesday. Maybe I missed it though. And if that's the case, gang, we want to know where he said it so we can go verify and and see it for our, ourselves. But Eclipse, my man, appreciate you. You know this. Yeah. Uh, Paul Jackson, this is a newer name. I Welcome. think we've seen him on Supers maybe once or twice before, but Paul, really appreciate you and your generosity. Welcome, as Zach said. We're glad to have you here. He says, do you guys think we all should petition head and shoulders to give <laughs> Philip Lindsay an endorsement? Much love, MHH peeps. Hey, man, he needs us. Dude, when you think about it, how how just obscene is this? Melvin Gordon's going to make somewhere around $8 million this year. Philip Lindsay's going to make 750 k Yeah, go get that dude a head and shoulders <laughs> endorsement if you can. He has a family now, Chad. He's a father. I mean, he's a yep. man. He needs the money. Anything to get Philip Lindsay more money, I'm on board for. Who's starting to go fund me? Jake Gerard jumping in, showing us some love, as is his want when he's in the chat stream. He's active you, on Jake. Super. We appreciate you, buddy. He says, hey, guys, if both A.J. Johnson and Justin Simmons ball out, who are we paying? Let's go. Broncos, 10-6, and six, wild card. All right, so the Broncos have a little time on, on A.J. because if I'm not mistaken, and I'm pretty sure I'm not, after this year he'll become a restricted free agent just like Lindsey. And then the Broncos will tender him, and they'll control him at a relatively clipped cost through the 2021 season. And they technically also could still control Simmons because they could franchise tag him again in 2021, pay a little bit of an increase. What is it, Zach? Like it goes up 20% if I'm Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, they'll pay him somewhere between 12 and 13 million if they tagged him again for 2021. But 2022 is when both the Broncos would have to figure out who to pony up, you know, where they're going to divert those dollars, how they're going to prioritize it. What's your answer for Jake? I think you're spot on. They have more time with Johnson than Simmons. I, Simmons is the better player. I think he's more impactful. The difference is, though, and this is me just spitballing, I could see A.J. Johnson making a little stink about wanting a contract. I'm not going to say hold out, but this is a guy who had his football career cut short because of what were proven to be false allegations. He got cleared from that. He, he was on the you know behind the eight ball. He found a home with the Broncos, starting to make a name for himself. If he has a solid season this year and, and takes himself to fairly household name status, at least in Denver, I can see him wanting a new deal before his co- current contract is up. Compared to Simmons, where he's a very team friendly kind of guy, I don't see him holding out. I don't see him shaking down the Broncos for you know ridiculous money. They would pay though. Gun to my head to answer the question, Simmons before AJ Johnson, not just because of the time that they have to work with, with with both players. Simmons is more impactful. He's better for this defense. Uh, he's been around longer. He's more proven. Uh, that's what I think anyway. Yeah, I mean, one's an all-pro. One is just kind of getting started. Al Wilson says he sees all-pro slash Pro Bowl upside in Alexander Johnson. Upside. And, you know, look, you just got to go make that happen. I think he's shown some really strong signs. I think if he started last season – week one as the starter at off ball. Maybe he does make the Pro Bowl last year. He was very prolific. He was extremely productive for the Broncos. But we need to see him do it at least one more time, and we'll know a little bit more. Uh, Dave, Callie Dave, jumping in, showing some love. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. He says, first matchup is Bulls 
versus the referees. Hashtag almost there. You know, it's just the truth, man. Bowles is his own worst enemy when it comes to that stuff. And the referees, you know, he's developed a reputation. So they they kind of scrutinize him a little bit more. They kind of call it a lot closer to the vest with regard to, to Bulls. And he's just going to have to find a way to overcome that reputation, Zach. It's not going to be easy against the Titans either. I mean, all, all jokes aside, they have some good pass rushers, Jeffrey Simmons. They have Harold Landry. That's a pretty solid defense with good coaching. And he can make Bulls' life hard for himself. But you know what? If he's this new determined tackle, he's posting you know things on Twitter about how he has the Mamba mentality. He's wearing Kobe Bryant jersey. He seems to have more confidence this year, and he knows he's on, on, the, on the chopping block if he doesn't get his act together. So if he's this new tackle, if he puts you know words into actions, he will stand up relatively well against the Titans. But if he's the old Garrett Bowles, it's going to be a long night, not just for him, but for the Broncos offense. Kenneth says, my broke butt contributes by liking and sharing on my Facebook. All good. That means that's very important. That's very important. And the, the way you contribute to the conversation in the chats as well, Kenneth. So every little bit helps, man. It all adds up, and, and we appreciate you. Uh, Brooklyn official jumping in. Uh, I should say Brooklyn official music. You guys are the best Broncos podcast. Thanks for saving my quarantine. I've been here for a while, but now more than ever, you guys are just killing it with the content. Keep it coming, guys. That's very awesome. sweet. Very yeah. sweet. We appreciate you. And glad that we can offer uh, whatever service we can to help you get through the queue. Uh, Robert wants to know, are there more than three running backs on this roster after the cuts on the 53? I don't think so. What do you think? I mean, what more do you need? You have Gordon, Lindsay, and and Royce Freeman or, you know, or Bellamy. That's your only options right now. And uh, you don't need more running backs. I think you have plenty with what they have on the roster. Go, go heavier in other areas, tackle, tight end, not running back especially because of the expanded practice squad, you can afford, I mean, let's say Levante Bellamy comes in and outplays Royce Freeman. A college free agent comes in, plays better than Royce. In a traditional year, you might still err on the side of carrying four because you don't want to give up on your third round pick. Whatever this year though, because it's an expanded practice squad roster and because as well, you can put veterans uh, on a few of those spots Maybe if a situation like that were to unfold this summer, you could talk yourselves into as an organization risking him to the wire and only carrying three. Now, I don't think that's how it's going to shake out. I do think Royce Freeman is going to be on this roster when it's all said and done, but I do think it's going to be three set. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I think Freeman will be that last running back. All right. While we let the stream kind of catch up for a second, let me rapid fire through a couple of these. The next one here on the matchups, uh, not so much matchups, roster battles here. Patrick Morris versus Lloyd Cushenberry at center. I think this is, when it's all said and done, it's going to be Cushenberry. But this is something that Nick Kendall likes to harp on, and I think it's worth keeping in the front of our minds here, is that when a rookie comes in, especially a premium round rookie, it's easy to get out over your skis and think, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to come in, plug him in, he's a starter. But there's really no way to completely forecast with a crystal ball perfectly how a rookie's going to take to the NFL. It really is a massive learning curve. Even though these guys have been playing football their whole lives and a guy like Cushenberry playing in the SEC against really NFL competition for the last few years, it still is a, quite the leap for these guys. And you just don't know. Every player is different in terms of how they acclimate, their learning curve. 
and the whole nine yards. So is even though I do think when the dust settles, Lloyd Cushenberry will open up week one as the starting center, you just can't completely dismiss Patrick Morris because if Cushenberry does have any form of rookie struggles that causes the coaches to kind of have some misgivings early on, Patrick Morris is a Mike Munchak acolyte who they trust and was penciled in to be the starter before the draft. I don't know. I mean, I'm happy that Munchak has a project in Patrick Morris, but you have to hope that Cushenberry wins that job. Barring an injury or barring him falling on his face in, in training camp before the season starts, I think it will be Cushenberry. He has the pedigree. He came from a, a very, very advanced system at, at LSU. And it's easier, Chad, to plug and play interior linemen in the NFL than it is tackles. There's a shorter learning curve, I believe. And he has two really good guards stationed on either side of him in Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow. It, to me, it has to be Cushionberry. I'm not too worried about it, though I do like as well. If something happens, if an injury strikes, if Cushionberry's development goes slowly, they have a guy who at least Mike Munchak trusts. And I value Munchak's opinion, obviously, in these situations. Well said. We got Terry jumping in north of the 49th parallel, proving, as always, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being, baby. He says, Chad, every time you say number 12's name, you can potentially take a year off your life and add one to his career. Some dirty magic going on. Hashtag football priest, hashtag state of being. It's like a some kind of twisted Voldemort, you know, uh, <laughs> magical incantation. Where's Mondungus? Yeah, we got to find the wizard. He, he would know. He would know if there's some veracity to this. Appreciate you, Terry. And we look forward to seeing you next week and talking with you and meeting you. It's going to be really, really fun. We are looking forward to that. Uh, John Terry was the next closest one for me. I don't know how it jumped or how it looks on your end, but it did take a jump for me. So um, let me run back here really quick. Next one is Deshaun Hamilton versus KJ Hamler. This was something we talked about, I believe on last night's show while we had, uh, it might've been after we had Steve on, but I think that, you know, because of the off season being kiboshed, no preseason snaps, it's another kind of putting the cart before the horse to just assume Hamler by virtue of his draft pedigree is going to come in and beat out Hamilton in time for week one. But I do think it's pretty safe bet. Just knowing what we do about Hamler's talent that by mid season and beyond, he's probably going to be the guy that's on the field most in those three wide sets, which is going to be their base offense. But I'm just not quite ready to say, hand it to him. Deshaun Hamilton is going to be left in the dust because you can't completely underestimate, Zach, the emotional, psychological process. At Penn State, Deshaun Hamilton was KJ's big bro, basically. It was kind of that dynamic. And so there's, in a lot of different ways, pride is on the line and, and kind of uh, seniority dynamics. And, you know, it's going to be awkward for KJ, to be honest with you. It's going to be a little bit weird. And depending on how Deshaun Hamilton responds to this, I, it's, I'm just not ready to crown KJ, the, st the starting slot receiver, right out of the gates, but it's a battle to monitor. This is the second most important battle on offense behind Philip Lindsay versus Melvin Gordon, and I say that because it affects Drew Locke, and he has to get down his chemistry with his top three wide receivers, and the battle right now is between Deshaun Hamilton and KJ Hamler for that role. We talked about it yesterday, Chad. We got a question about KJ Hamler. What do you think his impact will be in the short term and long term? And I think I, I hold true to what we both said. It'll be Deshaun starting out in that number three receiver role. He has experience in the NFL. He did start to come on last year with Drew Locke. The drop issue suddenly went away. He was making plays down the field. He's never going to be an explosive receiver, but hopefully a guy that a quarterback can count on. 
as time goes on, though, the hope is that's why they spent a second round pick on KJ Hamler. He will kind of just glide into that role and take hold of it, and they have their three receivers locked down. So it's a great camp battle. It's going to be fun to watch, and actually into the regular season as well. It's not going to be determined this summer. It'll be Deshaun to start out, and I think Hamler will take control of that by season's end. This is a good question since we're on the topics of wide receivers from Robert. Which wideouts not named Judy Sutton and, and Hamler will make the team in 2020? That's gotcha. a really good question. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Um, you start, Zach. I, they're going to carry at least five, and I think it'll be Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. I think that's probably a no-brainer until unless something changes. It really comes down to what they decide to do at returner. For now, just because of what we saw Tom McMahon and Vic Fangio decide last year where they kept six, I'm going to roll with six, and I'm going to answer for me. I'm going to concur that Deshaun is one of them, but I'm not quite ready to pencil in Tim Patrick. Zach and I aren't 100% sharing a brain on Tim Patrick. I'm a big Patrick um, guy. He's, he is a big Patrick guy, and I like Patrick. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Broncos have to leave open the possibility and, and upward mobility op- chances for guys like draft picks like Juwan Winfrey and Tyree Cleveland. One of those two guys – will be given a shot to unseat him. And then depending on what they do with that, you know, returner position and the number six guy, it could end up also being Deontay Spencer making this roster if they don't want to put KJ Hamler back there. Or if they did end up having Tyree Cleveland clearly and evidently beat out Tim Patrick, he can be your returner. He's got that ability. He's got some of the experience at Florida. So it's a pretty fluid situation, but I'm comfortable saying Hamilton – I'm comfortable saying Spencer for now until we know, kind of get a better idea what they're looking at returner wise. I'm just not sure yet who that, if when it comes to six, who that true number five is going to be. It's either going to be Patrick Winfrey or Cleveland. 
Yeah, we might disagree on um, on Tim Patrick, but I agree that if they keep six, it will be either Deontay Spencer or Tyree Cleveland. And I would put my money on Deontay Spencer. He seems to be a favorite of the coaching staff, Tom McMahon. He was pretty good in that role last year, and they kind of criticized uh, Hamler's returnability. He, they said that he has to learn how to catch a punt at the NFL level. That says to me they're not totally comfortable throwing him out there in two roles to start off day one. So I think if they do keep six, it will be Deontay Spencer. And you know what? Maybe you'll have some offensive contributions. Maybe they can even just be a decoy with his speed this season. Glenn wants to know, are we doing an MHH fantasy football league? Zach, yes. we did one last year. We're going to do one so this long, year. If, if Zach's willing to spearhead it, then yeah. yes. And if Zach's too busy, we might need someone in the community to spearhead it. Um but yeah, that's the plan. We'll have to get we'll get something scheduled in August as far as a draft, and we'll get you guys some deeds. And anyone who wants to throw in on it, we'll uh, we'll let you know. I'm gonna try really hard to get it going. It was super fun last year. I think it's a great tool for the community, and I love playing fantasy. The more leagues, the better. KP Kevin Peterson jumping in on super chat. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, "All I know is that if number twelve wins the Super Bowl in Tampa this year, he will have three or four asterisks." Next to his <laughs> rings. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that team's good enough. And I'm not convinced Bruce Arians and his staff are as, I don't know, ready for that level. I mean, he took the Cardinals far in 2015, did Arians. And he's got a lot of NFL experience, but let's face it, he's no Bill Belichick. So Tom Brady would really have to carry the day. And you know what? Unlike the NBA, unlike – you know, uh, hockey or the uh, or MLB. I don't think there's an asterisk next to the champion for this this year's uh, Super Bowl, Chad. I, I think it's a fair season as long as it plays on schedule. Fans or no fans, no matter who wins, there's no you know addendum to that title. I think it's fair and square. Not that Brady's going to win. I don't think it's going to happen. Zeus condescending <laughs> from on high, way up. MHH Mount Rushmore showing that love on Super Chat as he does each and every. Single Thank episode. You, and Stu, I did get your package. I haven't opened it yet. So I'll debut that and show, uh, show the listeners that on a Sunday night show. So appreciate you, my friend, as always. Just means everything to us. I'm waiting for mine as well. So if I get mine in the next couple of days, it'll be a reveal on Sunday, Chad. There you go. Man, this chat stream really is like the last one. Where are we at? It's 710. The last comment it shows me is 703 from Max. And Max said, enjoy your season. We're coming back to the field with a vengeance. Denver Broncos for life on Facebook. We uh, we got to – yeah, even Kathy's saying the chat stream tonight's kind of wonky. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's StreamYard or what. Uh, here's Terry jumping back in, showing some generosity on Thank Super you, Chat. Appreciate you, brother. A penny for a yard, number 14. Deal? Hashtag Broncos World. Penny for a yard. Sutton? Yeah. I'm not sure what that means, for, dude. I'm, I'll be for, honest with you. I'm, for every I yard, he's going to help to interpret these things. but um, That's got to be what it is. A penny for every you. yard that Sutton's going to make this year. It's a oh, lot I of see. I see. I see on supers. Okay. Okay. So he's saying – uh, 1400. <laughs> Is my math off? I'm not, I don't math. I don't, very, very I don't well. either. I, I believe anyway. T 
Terry, you are the man, dude. We love you. We appreciate you. Sorry if uh, it takes – sometimes, you know, I'm a little bit slow on the uptake, but that was Zach like, usually, <laughs> usually translates well for me. It was like an SAT question. <laughs> yeah, that was. Like, mm. um, all right, let me see here really quick. I'm going to bounce back over to this article and talk about real quick, Zach, the number three safety. Again, this we got a question about Douglas Coleman yesterday, and this kind of speaks to that. <sighs> Will Parks is gone. Trey Marshall is the most experienced guy, and you can probably pencil him in as the third guy. But don't sleep on Douglas Coleman. I think Douglas Coleman and also P.J. Locke is a guy that they signed, kind of a futures guy that has some experience in the league. You know, they're going to be vying for for supremacy here behind the top two dudes. And I do think, though, it's going to really come down to Trey Marshall and Douglas Coleman, not to sell P.J. Locke completely short. And that's Locke with an E on the end, by the way, L-O-C-K-E. No relation. How, how do you see this particular battle shaping up? I think it's versus, you know, seniority versus talent. That's why I see it shaking down. And you know, Trey Marshall, he has experience in the NFL and Fangio system, but Coleman's a better talent at safety uh, than Trey Marshall is. It's going to be a true battle. It's not tilted. It's not a, a dog and pony show. It's a true battle and competition. Um, part of me thinks that Marshall will hold on to the job in a really weird offseason with no preseason and no training camp to speak of. But, you know, Coleman, if he gets on the, the staff's good side, we all know how fickle Vic Fangio is. If he likes you, he likes Will Parks, he's going to give you a lot of playing time. So it can go either way. I think Coleman, though, I think he has the edge because talent, Chad, always wins out. True. Darian wants to know, are the media allowed during training camps this year? Yes and no. There is going to be some media, but it's going to be extremely curtailed. There's two different lists. And some of them will have to rotate, but I want to say I don't have it right in front of me, but I think it's six to 10 media can be there at a time. They're separated. They're never going to be in the same room as players. Um, it's going to be, it's going to favor print radio and local TV. That's basically what it comes down to. So you're going to have your Clisses there. You're going to have your ranks there. You're going to have your Denver posts there and some one Oh four, three, the fan guys there outside of that. They're going to be battening down the hatches. So we will get some coverage. We were planning on being there. We were planning on having Luke Patterson uh, representing MHH, but that's probably not going to happen this time around. We're going to have to kick that can down the road a little bit. But it's going to be up to the teams, to be honest with you, to be a lot more forthcoming with, you know, I think it was the Browns I saw, Zach, is planning on, maybe it's a different team, but I think it's the Browns, is planning on basically streaming all the on-field activities live for Mm. fans. So, you know, if you're used to being able to show up and watch training camp as a fan on the berm there on the hill and soak up the ambiance and enjoy the the day in the sun, that's gone this year. But if the Broncos were to stream some of that stuff or even portions, that would go a long way towards making up for it. Yeah, it's going to be not as coverage intensive as it would be most years, but we're still going to get the updates. I believe teams can't even or, or reporters can't even tweet about individual plays or formations. It's super locked down this year for obvious reasons. But we'll still get the gist of what happens in each practice leading up to, to the regular season. And Chad, with the inter- Periscope being so popular and the live streaming being so popular, it's almost better for a fan than it is being there for a media member. You're, you're privy to more and more information than ever before. This is true. That's why there's an aspect of it, though, that I don't know. We're not, you can say this every year that you're not really going to know what you've got until you see him out on the field of battle in the regular season, but it's even more true this year. 
you know, we're going to get glimpses. We're going to get hints. We're going to get some buzz and some things that some evidences that are going to, you know, if we're detectives and we're hot in pursuit of the crime, it's going to point us in the right direction, but we're not going to get full resolution until we see him on the grass this year. So uh, let me see here really quick. I got to grab KP jumping back in. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Kevin. We give 72 Garrett Bowles grief. Don't you think Pat Shermer wanted Melvin Gordon to help in pass protection to help 72 teams cover up weaknesses a lot. This is the last attempt in my opinion. That might have a small part to play. Like I don't want to completely dismiss what KP's saying here, Zach, because a lot has been made of Melvin Gordon's pass protection for whatever it's worth. But if that was the primary reason why you gave him 60 million bucks, you don't deserve to be a freaking football executive. I wasn't groaning at Kevin. I was groaning at if that is the case, you have to pay a running back $16 million because your former first round tackle can't pass protect after four seasons. It just adds to the, the hate that Garrett Bowles gets. If that's the reason, I don't think it is. I think it has more to do with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in that backfield. They don't think either of them are workhorses. They obviously saw Melvin Gordon up close twice a year, every year. They like his ability. I think that the net signing had more to do with Garrett Bowles. But even then, if you have to sign another player, if you have to devote millions of dollars to another player because your other player can't do his job, that's that's terrible. Not a great sign. I agree. Um, Andy on Facebook, we got to give some props to our awesome Facebook audience. We love you. Um, he says, if our Broncos went 12-4 and four this year with our losses, uh, excuse me, let me start over. If our Broncos went 12-4 and four this year, with our losses were being from the Raiders Charger and Chargers, would the Broncos get to the Super Bowl? Thanks. Crazy. So if the four losses, if they go 12 and four and the four losses were the head-to-heads against the Chargers and Raiders, so that would be four, would they get to the Super Bowl? I mean, I don't know. I don't, it would completely depend on regular season uh, standings math and seeding and who that, who else they beat and who else those teams that are ahead of them lost to and – that's really hard to say, but I don't think it's going to happen anyway. I think it also depends on who they beat in the postseason. I mean, to get to the Super Bowl. To, to meet, I don't know what that question meant. I guess in technical terms, if they have those four losses to those teams, they would be in the postseason. They'd have to win two more games to get to the Super Bowl and then win there. So uh, it could happen if that shakes out that way. Man, I was hoping that uh, Dalton Reisner's entry or entrance, I should say, to training camp this year was on Broncos YouTube, but it's not. Or else I would show you, but he showed up in overalls and basically looking like every inch the hick farmer that persona that he puts on, and it's just awesome, dude. He just looks like a freaking beefcake of the plains coming in to you know <laughs> move some freaking earth and you know get to work. Kathy says Reisner is going to be a Pro Bowl offensive lineman this year. Bank on it. Yeah, I'm not. I honestly wouldn't bet against that. We know that he. More than anything, making like the all-rookie teams and stuff, to him that was more irritating than it was gratifying because nothing short individually – I mean, he's focused on the team, but nothing short individually of a Pro Bowl and All-Pro is satisfactory to Dalton Reisner, and that tells you a lot about the guy. I'm going to be really surprised if he doesn't make it, Chad. I think that's yeah. the expectation from everyone around him, himself, the Broncos. I see a perennial Pro Bowler. I mean, he is that talented where it's like Zach level, Zach Martin level upside, Chad. He's that good, and he's going to be good for years to come. All right, guys, we are at 57 minutes, so I'm going to hurry and jump through these remaining superstars because we're not going to leave anyone out in the cold, and then I gotta, we got to get out of here for tonight. David Kilgore, it's good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you. Bonafide you, superstar. 
He's a Mount Rushmore member here at MHH. And he says, wanted to say hello and see what you guys say about the players opting out. And if you think more will come and will enough players opt out that it becomes an issue. I think there's a chance one or two more might, they have till August 4th to decide for what it's worth. So four or five more days. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough to be an issue. It's not for the NFL. I mean, Patriots have been pretty hit pretty hard over it, to be honest with you. They've kind of, they're going to have to figure out how to roll with those punches. But if anyone can overcome it, it's Belichick. You know, he can find a way to overcome that. I really don't think it's going to be an issue. Elway said he heard rumblings that another couple other guys were thinking about maybe opting out. Nothing so far. And, you know, you think about Von Miller. Why would he opt out? He's already had it. He already defeated CV. Same goes for Kareem Jackson. So those two, you're pretty safe to say, are probably not going to be at risk to, to do that. Um, but once August 4th passes, it's not even, it's a non-issue anymore. I mean, cause from that point forward, players can still refuse to come in, but then they forego their salaries and then they're subject to league discipline because what they negotiated with the NFLPA before training camp started was from the report date, you get seven days to decide if you want to opt out. And that seventh day is August 4th. I think you're spot on there, and we might see one more, but I feel like now that training camp has started, if players were going to opt out, Chad, they would have opted out by now. It's not going to be an issue unless like 20 guys all from the same side of the ball, the same position, all choose to sit out this season, and it's not an issue for the Broncos. They can can live without Kyle Pecco. They can overcome that loss. But between now and then, I don't think it's going to be a major issue going forward for any team, in fact. Minus the Patriots, like you said. Yeah, inordinately affected, but uh, I don't think any of us are shedding any tears for old Belichick. (laughs) Uh, Mundungus jumped back in on Super Chat. Thank you, bro. Thank you. So with the new, in quotes, CBA covering the thing that's bad right now, I like the thing that's bad. Are there more limitations set for players? Like they can't go here, can't do this, and if there are, are the penalties, what are the penalties if they do? Yeah, you want – all right. I had that forwarded. We had that forwarded to us. um, Thanks to our membership with the NFLPA. I will find it real quick. I can't show it to you guys, but I can read off some, some pieces to it. Bear with me. It really comes down to Zach, these players um, keeping away from any indoor environment that exposes them to 15 or more people. They don't know. So let me tell you how the CBA qualified that. Give me just one second here. Um, whoop, I must have skipped it. Here it is. Hi, this is what the NFL, what clubs are going to consider high-risk conduct. And for what it's worth, clubs can um, – let's see, where's the uh, discipline? Okay, so clubs can discipline players for conduct detrimental – if they are found to be engaging in high-risk CV conduct as listed above. Here's what they define as high-risk. One, attending indoor nightclub with 15 or more people. Attending an indoor bar other than to pick up food with more than 15 people. Attending an indoor house party with more than 15 people. Attending an indoor music, concert, or entertainment event with more than 15 people attending a professional sporting event other than applicable NFL games or events with more than 15 people, and then attending an indoor religious service, this is interesting, attended by more than 25% of the venue's capacity. 
So they're trying to be a little bit more lenient as it relates to religion and people, the players' spiritual priorities, and because many of them are extremely spiritual and religious. So those are the the main ones. And again, if if they are found to be violating those, they're at risk to be disciplined uh, by by their teams. Yeah, I mean they have some protocols in place where it would discourage players from from breaking you know the social code in the NFL for what it's become with CV. Though a, a lot of it is the honor system. I mean, it's unrealistic to think that every NFL player is going to follow these rules. You're not going to have one guy who says, you know what, I'm not going to get it. I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to go out and drink. And that, that's all it takes. I liked what Mike Tomlin said today. He said, if if one fails, we all fail. And that's really what it is in the NFL. If it, all it takes is one person to ignite a wave of breakouts or a wave of cases, and that happens, I don't want to see the NFL stop or postpone their season like the MLB and the NBA. I want to have a full, complete season, as it's going to take the participation of every single person involved, not just players, but coaches, executives, training staff. The guy in Minnesota, Chad, the strength and conditioning guy, he got it. I mean, it can happen to literally anyone in the NFL with so many people bunched together. We just have to hope that these players are, if disincentivized with potential penalties or they want football enough where they're going to just, you know, I'm going to sacrifice this year. I'm not going to go out. I'm going to do what's best for my team. Yep. And the coaches, as, as Fangio talked about on Tuesday, it's something they're going to be preaching and harping on literally every day of the week. So right. if these players end up kind of breaking the, the rules as it, as it goes, they'll have no one to blame but themselves because it's not just them. I mean, whatever they mean to the team is important, and so their conduct affects the team. But also, if they risk bringing something in to the and infecting others on the team by by virtue of at risk or high risk, I should say, behavior, that's you're going to see some heavy discipline come down on such players, and it will happen across the league. I don't think you have much to worry about with the Broncos. I think there's some good leadership there, yes. and. Uh, you know, keep our fingers crossed. Mundungus jumped back in though to say, and we got to hurry here, Zach. In response to your question about Terry Super Chat, technically there isn't anything specific, but that would basically make Chad TB's Horcrux. Horcrux? There you go. Talking about the magic, the dirty magic, and the incantations that TB12, you know, that you got to worry about. Yeah. Oh, appreciate you, Mundungus. Sorry, John, do it again. Ron Dub in the hizzy. It's going to be a great question. Big time superstar. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. He says, hey, guys, bigger impact if both are on the field. Who makes the bigger impact? Ojemudia or the college free agent, Asang Mm. Bassi. Also, which unexpected wideout do you see coming out and having a breakout season? Winfrey, Cleveland, or or Patrick, if on the roster? Uh, Let's reverse engineer that. I'm going to start with the second question first. Of those three, I'm going to say Winfrey. I I still think that kid, I don't know why he didn't get much of a chance during the regular season last year when things got tight, because he was around. He was on the roster. He didn't see any time. But I'm keeping a close eye on Winfrey. Cleveland has a lot of talent, though. Like if if Zach Azani could reach him and, and kind of refine his technical proficiencies, that kid's got some twitch, man. He's got some some upside. And Patrick... I don't want to diminish him completely. He's a really solid backup X receiver. Like he's a great backup for Corbin Sutton, and you need that. But if I'm picking between those three, Zach, I'm I'm going to pick Winfrey. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with a guy who's been proven at the NFL level, and that's Tim Patrick. And uh, he's a Cortland Sutton light as far as I'm concerned. And I might be just a bigger Tim Patrick fan than most others, but I love the chemistry and camaraderie that him and Drew Locke shared last year, Chad. He just There's a comfortability factor, and you can't teach that. So Tim Patrick, of those three, I think would be the breakout candidate. Though, you know, the super dark horse will be Deshaun Hamilton. We all talk about him beating out KJ Handler for that role. If he does and he develops a uh, connection with Drew Locke, don't discount him either in this uh, battle. Between Ojemudi and Bassey, though, if they're both on the roster and both on the field, I'm just going to go with the guy that has a little bit more NFL size, right. I think a little bit more NFL upside in Ojemudia. If I'm if I'm answering that now with almost no information, right? We don't know anything yet how this either are shaping up in camp. We haven't seen them. There are going to be no preseason. This is just going 100% off how we view their fit in the defense and what their college tape was. But I'm going to go with Ojemudia. But don't sleep on Bassey. He's another guy I could see coming out of left field. I don't think his prospects of making the roster are quite as fortuitous as Douglas Coleman, the safety. But he could come out of out of left field and unseat a. Duke Dawson or Devontae Harris, maybe an Isaac Yadam, maybe a Devontae Bosby. He's only five foot nine, and that's probably why he didn't get drafted. But he's he's basically everything Fangio looks for in a nickel corner. So we'll see. It might be an unpopular take, but I believe that boundary corners, outside cornerbacks have more value than slot cornerbacks. And Ojemudia is a boundary cornerback. And if he pans out, he can be a starting caliber player on a Vic Fangio defense. Bassey, um, great upside, great undrafted find by Denver. He will make the final roster, I believe. But among potential and ceiling and upside, I'm going uh, Michael o- O'Day all day. Discount audio and wheels, D-A-Dub. Another business owner, member of the community, showing some love on Super Chat. Anytime he's in the stream, he shows love on Super. Appreciate you, my friend. And if you have a website for your business, put it in the chat stream, and let's let's get some eyeballs on that. He says, what's up, fellas? Hope all is good. Just want to continue my support. Bummer, I may not be able to fly out for any games this year, but as long as we get football, I'm all good. Hit the like button, everybody. Appreciate that. DA dub and Zach, I think that's basically the mindset everyone has to embrace. If if the worst case scenario is watching from home all 16 games this year, I think that's a price everyone will willing to pay in order to have football. Yeah, I agree on both counts, uh, DA dub and football this season. That's the most important thing, and especially with the Broncos being a probable playoff team. If I were to tell you right now the Broncos will make the playoffs, but it means you can't go to any home games, I think a lot of fans would sign up for that, Chad. All right, two more, and then we got to get going. This is Miller707 Champ, just showing some love. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, thank you guys for all that you do. Thank you, man. It means a lot to us, buddy. Um, We also got D-Dub, Dale, our friend. It's incredible. In Hawaii, showing some big-time generosity. Thank you, Dale. It's good to see you, by the way. He says, I've been under the gun lately, fellas. I go back and listen to the streams. Glad to check in. We're glad to have you, bro. He says, so glad football is starting. I think the trenches on both sides of the ball this year for us are going to be top 10. Go Broncos. Hey, man, as sad as I was to see Derek Wolf go, Zach, I can't deny, I've said it before, Jarrell Casey is an upgrade. He's an upgrade over Derek Wolf, and he's a Pro Bowl. I mean, he's been to five straight Pro Bowls. If – Everything ends up working out. And, you know, the Broncos are due for some some turns, positive turns on the wheel of karma here when it comes to the offensive line. If Bowles ends up, that, that version of Bowles we saw down the stretch, if that carries forward into 2020, 
if Graham Glasgow is the truth, and if Lloyd Cushenberry is the truth, and Juwan James, I guess, if he stays healthy, I could definitely see them being a top 10 unit as well. So not completely off base, but there's still a lot of ifs that need to get answered first. Yeah, I don't think it'll surprise anyone if the Broncos' defensive line finishes top 10, but the offensive line, that would be a surprise. And you know what? It's not unrealistic to say. They have one weak link, and that's Garrett Bowles. But if they can find a way to switch, flip that switch, they can find a way to help him out or to finally milk that talent out of him that they know is there, they can be a top 10 offensive line. And Chad, if they have a top 10 O-line, this is going to be a very dangerous offense. And if they're a dangerous offense, this is a bona fide playoff team. All right, so it just was made known to me that users can't put links in the chat. So, DA Dub, do me a favor, my friend, and send me an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, with your business's URL. And we like to support our community if the businesses need a little help. Even if you don't need a little help, we want to help you as best we can. So, send me an email with your website if you have one or your Facebook page or whatever. But, guys, that's got to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We didn't get to a few more of these. We talked uh, Devontae Bosby, Michael Ojemudia for the number three. That's who I view as the two leaders in the clubhouse for the third corner. Bobby. Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippon, who's going to be the backup. Driscoll. It's probably going to be Driscoll. Hireman versus oh. Buck for that, for that fourth tight end spot, Zach. Neither. <laughs> Deontay Spencer versus Hamler in Cleveland for the return specialist. And uh, that's a good one. Royce Freeman versus Levante Bellamy for good one. number three. So anyway, gang, sorry to kind of wrap it up with such alacrity here at the end of the episode, but I really do got to get going tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for spending some time with us here, joining us. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. Much love to you. We'll be tagging you after this podcast on Twitter, as you guys know. So thank you. Make sure you guys are following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, also at Mile High Huddle. And whatever you do, make sure you're following my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. And while you're at it, follow John, Buana Beast at John K M H H. Zach and I, the Puddle Up Pod, we're done for the week. And I think I'm guesting tomorrow night, though, since Lance just had his, his new son, uh, was born yesterday. Let's see. Yeah, today's Thursday. Was born Wednesday morning. So congratulations to Lance Sanderson, one of the co-hosts of Dove Valley Deep Divers, of course whose son, uh, baby son, Caven, was uh, yeah, Caven, uh, was was brought into the world yesterday, healthy, happy. Mama Bear's doing just fine. So congrats to Lance. I'm going to be filling in and on tomorrow night with Eric Trickle. So tune in for that. Saturday night, I'll probably also be on that podcast because we got guys doing uh, summer vacations and stuff. So stay tuned for that as well. But Zach and I will be back full effect of the huddle up podcast Sunday night. We look forward to talking to you guys then Zach, have a great weekend, bro. You as well. And I Stu, I appreciate you. I see the package supposed to be here tomorrow. We will do Chad, a big reveal on Sunday's podcast. That's going to be the theme of it. Thank you again, Stu. All right, guys, we'll talk to you Sunday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be smart for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. I'm Sue Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world. But he remains a mystery. 
His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 